Good afternoon and welcome. I'm Bill Allen. I'm the preaching minister here at West Irwin Church of Christ. Uh, another one of my associates, one of our deacons and ministers, Davy Carter, will be leading us in some congregational singing during this uh, service, and so we encourage you to sing out during those times. We'd like to say that on behalf of the family, uh, very much appreciate the wonderful friends and uh, family and church family that are here uh, today. I know that means a whole lot to them. We're also live streaming the service, so we appreciate those of you that are watching online and are keeping um, the family of Ernie Gordon uh, in your prayers. And we certainly want uh, and know that you will continue uh, to do that. This is a wonderful family, has meant a whole lot to our church family for a long time. And uh, we appreciate everyone keeping them in your prayers and continuing to be encouraging to them in any way uh, that you can. We will have a, a moment during the service a little bit later when if you have a particular thing you'd like to say uh, in behalf of Ernie and this family, um, short memory to share something, we of course ask that you keep that brief, but if you would like to do that, uh, there will be an opportunity to do that a little bit later uh, in the service today. Uh, one of the first songs we'll sing in just a moment, uh, I think is a great choice because it says everything about the way Ernie Gordon lived his life. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Whereas we mourn, as Paul tells the Thessalonians, we do not mourn as those who have no hope. And so that's how Ernie lived his life, with hope and joy. And we look at this service uh, as being a celebration of that life and an opportunity to remember uh, a brother who lived that life faithfully. Let's bow for a moment in prayer. Father, we praise you as our great God, our creator, our sustainer, the ultimate judge, but also the ultimate savior. We're thankful, Father, for the opportunity to live in this world, to be cared for by you, and to be able to build relationships with blood family, with church family, with other friends and associates. And so, Father, today we pray that you would especially be with um, the family of Ernie Gordon. And we ask, Father, your blessings upon all of us who will have a part in this service. And we pray, Father, for this family, that you will bless them and comfort them and strengthen them. And may this day and this service uh, be something that will allow them to smile, to perhaps shed a tear, but to remember uh, this one that is so very loved. And Father, we pray that everything that we say and do today, as always, will be something that will encourage others, comfort each other, and will ultimately give glory and honor to you, our great God and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like to invite everyone to sing on out. That's something Ernie enjoyed. Before I sing this song, I need to uh, just say, Ernie and Sharon were so committed uh, to the work here at West Irwin. I especially remember their faithfulness and commitment to uh, our Monday night meal that we served at our uh, benevolent center across the street every Monday night. And occasionally I would uh, sing a song to those who came to eat. And one night I had asked if some of our other members would join me. And he came right out of that kitchen. And there was about eight of us that sang that night. And, you know, really that was the first time I ever knew 
he could sing. He really could sing. And I was so thankful that he joined us uh, that evening for that occasion and that opportunity. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord On the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior, Beam Gordon Ernie, 82, passed away Friday, April 23rd, 2021, in Flint, Texas. He was born February 12, 1939, in Long Beach, California, to James Gordon and Marjorie Monfeld Gordon. Ernie graduated from Long Beach Poly High School in 1956. He went on to gain a BA in biology with a minor in education and physical science from Long Beach State College in 1961. Ernie served in the U.S. Army from 61 to 64 and functioned as a communication intercept specialist for the Army Security Agency. He worked at E.R. Squibb & Sons, Montgomery Ward, the Treasury, later called J.C. Penney, before he settled into a 23-year career with the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. First and foremost, Ernie was a man of deep faith, and he spent his time studying God's Word and sharing in any time an opportunity presented itself to others. Ernie was a longtime member of West Irwin Church of Christ here, where he served often and enjoyed many friendships and fellowships there. He was an avid admirer of God's creation. He enjoyed having a garden, sharing the fruits of his labor. He loved exploring the Hawaiian Islands, playing golf a couple of times a week, and traveling to see his family, especially his grandkids. It must also be said how much he adored his canine companion, Oliver. Ernie is survived by his wife, Sharon, of almost 50 years, his brother, Jim Gordon, his sister, Terry Gordon, or Terry Lanier, his daughters, Kimberly Lawless, Casey Corcoran, and April Spicer, 
three son-in-laws, John Lawless, Mike Corcoran, and Brian Spicer, and seven grandchildren, Jake Lawless, Mackenzie Lawless, Connor Edwards, Peyton Edwards, Noah Spicer, Wesley Spicer, and Macy Spicer. our one sister, Terry, here with us. Uh, but I, I want to ask a question, and don't be ashamed to put your hand up, but how many people here do not, do not know how Ernie got his name? Well, look at all those hands go up, even including some of his family. I like that. Well, normally I probably wouldn't spend this much time talking about that kind of thing, except it sets up a later thing I'm going to mention. Ernest Beam Gordon, our great uncle, Ernest Beam, was minister of the Long Beach Church, I believe it was called the Central Church at the time, uh, when we were all born. Well, actually we were probably the 12th in Alanitas and then uh, at Central. Long Beach, and he was, my Uncle Ernest was the first minister at the, at the church there, and we uh, were baptized there, Ernie and I, 75 years ago, on the same evening, along with two other fellows, of which I joke about, they're the Wright brothers, not the ones that <laughs> built the airplane, but... <laughs> and it was uh, it was a great thing. But at any rate, Ernie was named for our Uncle Ernest, who was greatly uh, appreciated by my mom and dad, uh, who were both quite young. Well, when we when both of us were born, uh, my mom was only uh, 18, my dad was 20. So they were just kids when I, I was first born. I'm lucky to be here, obviously. They probably didn't, they did probably broken me or something as a, <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to handle a little kid. Nevertheless, the, the whole point of this story is that a cousin of ours, Ed Beam, or Edwin Beam, who's Ernest Beam's son, not our Ernest Beam Gordon, but our Uncle Ernest, asked me to tell you a little story about a trip that he and Ernie were on, <clears throat> along with a friend of theirs named Nate Newton, who neither here nor there, I suppose. They had been on a fishing trip in Porterville, California, a very pretty place in the mountains. It was winterish. There were still icy mornings. They'd fished all day, and they were hiking. It's about a nine-mile hike to get to their fishing spot and to get back again, and it was the fishing spot was low, and there cars were high, and uh, they got almost back, and Ed Beam said, and oh, by the way, I should mention, they were about 17 or 18 years old at this, at this time. 
Anyway, Ed said he wasn't going to move another step, sat down, took his pack off, and said, you guys go on, I'm staying put. I've had it. So Nate picks up his pack, and he said, Eddie, get moving. Everyone called him Eddie at the time. Uh, Ernie was already up at the top. And so they made it up finally. They, so all three of them were up there, and they noticed that there were a lot of icicles around. And Eddie was telling me that in looking at the icicles, the light had been diffused in such a way that it gave a particular look in the sky that they'd never seen before. And Eddie turned to Ernie and said, I think it it looks like Jesus might be coming back. Ernie looked over at Eddie and said, I don't see you going anywhere. Oh, you haven't heard of that, Ernie. Yes, I know you have. (laughs) I'm sure you have. However, I want to tell you about another quick little story about the other side of Ernie. We were one year apart in school. And in junior high school, in those days, everybody had to do gym. You had to change your clothes there and go out in the field and come back in and get sweaty and all that good stuff. I was in the period just before his and was getting dressed, and it was the end of the period, the bell had rung for the next period to begin shortly, and Ernie was outside, he hadn't come in yet, and this kid, bully, big heavy set guy, even bigger than Ernie, but I should mention that at 13, Ernie was pretty much full sized, as you saw him in a lot of the pictures today. He was a bull of a, of a guy. He was big, plenty big, and strong, really strong. Well, anyway, this kid, Bob Nooner, decided he'd pick on me. And he was pushing me around, shoving me, socking me on the shoulder. Come on, come on, you punk. Are you afraid of me? Something, come on, let's go. Finally, he got tired of that because I didn't rise to his situation since he was so much bigger than I was walked over to the drinking fountain to get a drink. At that time, by that time, Ernie had walked in and seen what was going on. Bob Nooner reached down, bent down to get a drink of water, and Ernie walked right behind him and went, Pow! right on the top of his head. Nooner looked up at him with tears in his eyes, blood running out of his nose. Ernie looked at him and said, if you ever bother my brother again, you'll really regret it. Two sides, wonderful guy, great brother, great friend. Yeah, he was he was big. <laughs> My name's John Lawless, and um, as Ernie never let me forget, I'm his first and his oldest son-in-law. Our relationship got off on a foot. I wouldn't say it was the right foot necessarily. About 27 years ago. Um, And to be fair, I was his first son-in-law and he was my first father-in-law. So we had, and I didn't have any sort of semblance of of credibility with him. What I had in, in credibility I had with his daughter. What I had in him I had to earn. Uh, and, and as I found out, that might 
take a little bit longer than I had originally, you know, I'm a, kind of a charmer, right? <laughs> but Ernie wasn't one to be charmed. Um, I, I remember my, the first words that he, um, they spoke to me, and, um, and, and he used his words in odd and twisted, unique ways. He put sentences together in, in very unique uh, fashions that were unique. I mean, when I say unique, I mean unique. And um, the first words that he spoke to me, we were at Cahoots Catfish Restaurant in Abilene. Uh, as Kim and I walked from the parking lot to the restaurant, she said, that's my dad. And I said, your dad's enormous. <laughs> uh, tall, tan, toned, legs that looked like fire hydrants and this deep baritone voice, I said, I said, nice to meet you, Mr. Gordon. And he said, Mr. Gordon died several years ago. Call me Ernie. And I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, oh, sorry for your loss. I mean, I, 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 I seriously, it, I didn't know what that meant for a, for a good while. Not like days, but longer than, a, longer than an evening. So we're off to a good start, as you can see. I'd lost my appetite. <laughs> we sit at the table, long table. Casey and April were there. Um, I find a spot as close to Sharon as I could because I felt I had an empathetic eye with her. And uh, I would lift up my hands to wipe the sweat off my forehead. And um, I've got a package of butter. Remember the butter that you peel? <laughs> on my sleeve as I lifted up and she laughed and I didn't think it was all that funny but but I laughed too and we like we still laugh about it we laughed about it last night um, I, I was young nervous not to mention I was already weighing over my head with with Kim <laughs> plus he was surrounded by these three beautiful Uh, beautiful women. Uh, we we warmed and our relationship blossomed and I learned a lot from him. I knew I was in good when he'd greet me with that big, booming, deep voice. Jumping John. <laughs> What's that in your lip? He didn't like the fact that I dipped tobacco. Uh, he was a constant worshiper. He, he leaves behind in his kitchen on the table in Tyler the worn, highlighted, earmarked, underlined pages of his NIV Bible and power for today, stacked neatly, waiting for tomorrow morning when he dutifully sit at the table and worship his Savior, which was his first priority. Uh, he didn't use an app. I thought you know, he still had a flip phone, in fact. He didn't, he didn't use an app. He carried his Bible which is maybe why he was so strong and so large. <laughs> when he would visit us in McKinney, his Bible study would be complete by the time I, I woke and, um, and would come in to grab a cup of coffee and my newspaper, which was in his very large hands. And, uh, and it was my sports page. So he would read the sports page and... Um, like to everybody, like to me, to anybody who was in the kitchen, he'd read 
the scores from last night, the sales going on at Kroger, the stats, the standings, the, the classifieds, the weather, he'd just read everything to you. We'd be in and out, and there'd be nobody in there, and he's still reading the paper. Somebody's got a call. <laughs> so I was reading this week in First Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, it warns us against using false idols, fake gods, if you will. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Ernie had one idol, maybe two, Sharon, to be fair, uh, had one idol, and um, that was his Lord and Savior, who was the center line of his life, and he never wavered from, you know, dead center, and nothing could cause him to stumble. He was a redwood, never budging, immovable in his faith. He was powerful, and a powerful force in, in the ministry of of the kingdom. His last Facebook message to me was on December 1st last year. He said, continue to grow as opposed to not. There you go, right? Continue to grow as opposed to not. Happy birthday to our oldest son-in-law. There he goes again. Aaron, Ernie and Sharon. And um, his very last words to me were, I love you, John when he called me about a month ago. I never guessed I would have had the last words in the relationship, but I do. And I'm honored to say that I love you, Ernie. This time, if anyone would like to uh, share a thought or two or a memory or two, you're welcome to do that. And, uh, uh, and then when everyone has had the opportunity that would like to take that opportunity, April will uh, have a few things to say as well. My name's, whoa, this is definitely on. My name's Gary Patterson um, from Allen. My wife and I live in Allen. I uh, met Ernie in the mid-80s and his beautiful family. And uh, you're right, he was, uh, he was an intimidating guy. Uh, real tall, uh, built, like you, like you said, like a, built like a redwood. So, um, and I was a young kid in college and I met Leslie in Long Beach at the church, and uh, we hit it right off, Leslie and I, and, and soon got married in 1985 and lived out there. And I can remember, um, <laughs> the thing about, I remember about Ernie, he always, he always had a, because I, I felt like I was always looking at him like this, but he had this gleam in his eye. And, uh, and I was like, oh, that's, you know, he's intimidating, but he's a nice guy. And uh, he had this you know, very nice, sweet, petite wife, if I, and these lovely daughters, and April was our, 
in our little Bible class, and um, and Ernie, he's had this gleam in his eye. Years later, when Brian got married, we that was after we'd moved here, and uh, um, we were at the wedding, and I can remember, and we had we had three girls, we had three, we got four girls now, and I think we just had Camille and the twins, and um, we had adopted them, and and when. <laughs> What I remember at that wedding, Brian, was we were in a pew like this, and they were crawling all over the place. And I know you didn't, you weren't paying attention, but uh, they were crawling all over the place, and we're like, man, keep these kids quiet. And and uh, and the wedding was over, and we went out to the lobby, and we saw you guys, and saw Ernie, and and uh, and I, you know, we tried to introduce the kids, and they're running around, and and. Uh, when we started to leave, he, he leaned over to me. He said, love those little girls. They'll give you a gleam in your eye. And so that's, that's like, that's why he's always had that gleam in his eye because he's got great kids and a wonderful family. And um, he was just somebody that I will never forget and uh, was a blessing to many, many people. So... read a letter from one of dad's oldest friends um, that we grew up um, his name's Don Siglin and he's probably watching this but uh, we used to spend a lot of nights with his family all of us us kids would play with his kids and um, he sent me a letter that said things that cannot be left unsaid and um We all loved this so much, and so we knew that it had to be read. On February 9th, 1971, a day that was like few I had ever experienced before. There was no need for an alarm clock that morning, for entire Southern California awoke as one at 6 a.m. to the shaking of everything around us. The big one hit a 6.8 earthquake, and the Southern California area would never be the same. Little did I know how prophetic that statement would become in my life. For that morning, I was to begin a new job with the JCPenney Company Treasury Stores. I arrived at the headquarters of the company in Buena Park at 7.30 a.m., and of course, the topic of discussion was the earthquake. We were all in deep conversation, concerned for those whose lives were turned upside down by the disaster. Then the door opened, and in walked a man who was more significant than life. Tall, dark-skinned, traditionally dressed in a three-piece suit with a handlebar mustache, looking as though he had just stepped on the set of a 1940s movie. I had to check that with my aunt, because I don't know what 1940s guys look like. (laughs) He introduces himself to me. Hi. Ernie Gordon, and thus started a friendship that spanned over five decades. Over all of the 50-plus years, I have been blessed by my friend, Ernie Gordon. 
There was always a constant. After our dinners together, Ernie and I would go for a walk, sometimes a cigar, but always a long, reflective walk. This brings me back to my earlier statement, life would never be the same. April said in a post that her dad was an acquired taste. How true that was. He could be passive-aggressive, blunt, and sometimes a little infuriating. But it always came from a loving heart, even when I didn't see it or understand the big picture. I do not know of anyone who fulfilled the Great Commission better than Ernie Gordon. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. On those walks, Ernie lived out his faith in Jesus Christ. He told me of his relationship with a living Christ and how it affected his walk with the Lord and his love for Sharon. Later in my life, after a divorce, sobriety, and a searching heart, the words of my friend rang true in mine. I came to my knees and came to our Lord Jesus Christ because of the seeds planted on those walks. Ernie and I worked together, played golf and softball together, raised our children together, and for many years we celebrated New Year's together before they all moved from California. The great constant was always our walks. God our Savior wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Ernie lived this out, and because of my brother, I too lived this out in service to the Lord since 1994. I was blessed to talk to my friend on his last birthday. Ernie, I look forward to those walks again in heaven with you, my brother in Christ. Don Siglin, a very grateful servant of the Lord. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling o'er my ear the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own
from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Certainly that can be said of our brother and friend, Ernie Gordon, as we have heard today, what a great witness he was verbally and through his life. The psalmist says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. What a blessing to know that the creator of the universe holds the life and death of your husband, your father, your grandfather, your brother, our friend. That the creator of the universe holds his life and death precious in his sight. Psalms also say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam from the mountains quake with their surging, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. It is this faith in the Lord that our brother and friend Ernie Gordon shared and lived each day. 
and it is that faith and joy that I will especially miss interacting with as we would gather together for Bible classes and worship with this church family. I can honestly tell you that I loved speaking with Ernie and Sharon during those moments. Ernie, as has been said, is um, uh, he sometimes comes from a different perspective than what you might have been expecting. But he is someone who spoke respectfully and truthfully from his heart every time. And he did that with a gleam in his eye. (laughs) In fact, there was always a little mischief in those eyes. And it usually came out in some guarded way with what he said. And if you listen closely, you got it most of the time. As we would talk about the lesson or some other related topic, Ernie would smile and he would give me a perspective that I knew I would appreciate and that I also knew I would likely not hear from anywhere else. Ernie's father was a minister and a song leader. His mother was a great singer as well, so singing and worship and church leadership were in his blood. It's no surprise then that Ernie himself during his life served as a deacon and an elder. He was one of the go-to guys when you needed someone in a pinch to lead a prayer or give a communion talk. I knew that if I asked Ernie to lead communion or the closing prayer, his answer would be yes. And that is a huge blessing. Today we're singing some of the wonderful old hymns, but... We are also able to be lifted up by some of the great contemporary Christian songs as well that we heard before the service and that will be played again following the service. And Ernie loved both. He loved the wonderful traditional hymns and he loved the great contemporary Christian songs. Ernie and Sharon were active in their church life here at West Irwin and helped as Davy shared in our benevolent ministry volunteering to serve the needy in our community through our Caring Kitchen program that offers a meal to those in need every Monday night. They loved going to Bible classes here and enjoyed being with their friends, many of whom are here, studying God's word and worshiping the Lord together. They loved and appreciated those who taught the scriptures. Years ago, a minister complimented Ernie on the tie he was wearing. And so, of course, he immediately took it off and gave it to him. You see, Ernie was very frugal, tight, except in one area, contributing to God's work through the church. There he was very generous, not just in regularly contributing to the Lord's work each week, but as needs would come up from time to time, Ernie and Sharon were glad to give extra. The songs chosen for us to sing during this service are exactly appropriate for today. As I said earlier, the song, This is the Day the Lord Has Made, I Will Rejoice and Be Glad in It, certainly describes Ernie Gordon. And it is taken directly from Psalm 118, verse 24. My friend Ernie Gordon had what I would call a quiet humor. Oh, it was far from quiet if you were around him much. in that big booming voice. No one would ever accuse him of being shy about sharing a belief or a thought on any particular topic, but he would be standing around for a moment as others were talking or sitting patiently listening in Bible class, and he'd smile that mischievous smile and get that twinkle in his eye, 
And then he would quietly share something that was at once profound and yet at the same time basic and understandable, almost obvious. Almost. Sometimes I didn't know quite where he was going with something, but I knew that I would always like where he ended up and that I would thoroughly enjoy the path he took to get there. I always knew that our conversations would be filled with thoughtful encouragement and genuine joy, and I will miss them. Ernie and Sharon would have been married 50 years on May 15th. What a wonderful tribute and legacy they have given their family and all of us of what a devoted husband and wife, father and mother look like every day. April shared this recently on her Facebook page. What's most important to say is that dad fiercely loved us girls, as in my mom and his daughters, deeply loved and respected his three sons-in-law, and adoringly supported all seven grandchildren. He was not an extravagant man in any physical respect, but he extravagantly loved Jesus, his Savior, and the physical and spiritual family that God gave him. Amen. May the same be said of each of us, that we extravagantly love Jesus and his church. The joy and hope with which Ernie Gordon lived his life came from within him, from a sense of assurance and peace and joy that come from a close walk with his creator and savior. Ernie had that kind of peace. He had that kind of faith. As we have sung today, his life and his joy were built on Jesus' blood and righteousness and the promise of resurrection that the Savior has provided, the promises upon which Ernie stood. It showed in the way he lived out his faith and hope and joy each day. Shortly before his own death, in John 14, our Lord comforted his disciples with these words, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul has a long chapter about the resurrection and the hope that is in that resurrection and the confidence and assurance with which we live every day because the tomb is empty. And that is our hope as well. That was certainly Ernie's hope, but it's more than just a hope of heaven. It is a call to live as if we believe that the tomb is empty. It's a call to base the way we live our lives today on the confident assurance that comes from knowing that one day we too will be raised to live forever with the Lord. And so Paul ends that great chapter with these words, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Certainly, our brother Ernie Gordon always gave himself fully to the work of the Lord. It is that same promise of the resurrection that gives hope to those who remain here to celebrate Ernie's victory and to mourn his loss. We do not mourn like the world mourns, for underneath it all is the same promise upon which we stand, that hope that gives us comfort and peace and, yes, even joy. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's the same encouraging statement that you read in the program that you received today as you came in from John 16, verse 22. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. It is that same sense of assurance and peace with which the Apostle Paul faced his last days. Shortly before his own death, he wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The song we sang earlier captures well the closeness Ernie felt with his Lord. I come to the garden alone, while the dew is still on the roses, and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. He speaks And the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I can see Ernie and the Lord walking and talking together. Ernie getting that mischievous smile on his face and twinkle in his eyes as he prepares to ask the Lord a question. (laughs) And I'm reminded of a story I heard once about the patriarch Enoch. It says in Genesis 5 verses 21 through 24, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. 
Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. And then it says this, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. It's a very mysterious story of a man who apparently never died. We have a lot of questions about that. I'm sure Ernie would have a lot of questions about that. But I heard it explained this way once. It's pure embellishment, of course. It's not in the inspired biblical account. But the story is that Enoch walked faithfully with God and every day would speak to God and seek his counsel and his blessing. And then he would go home. But one night, as they were walking and talking, and it was getting later and later, the Lord told Enoch, Look, my son, it's really late. Why don't you just come home with me? I can see it being something like that for Ernie. Walking and talking together with the Lord in his heart and in his dreams. And the Lord saying, Look, my son, it's really late. Why don't you just come home with me? And so he did. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we're amazed that we can walk and talk with the creator of the universe. That when our loved ones die, we know that they are precious in your sight. And you take notice. And so, Father, we are grateful for for Ernie. We're grateful for his, his family. We're grateful for Sharon and for the life they shared for almost 50 years as husband and wife. And Father, we're thankful for his children. And we pray that you would bless them in the loss of, of their father for Kim and Casey and April and for their husbands. We pray for his grandchildren that he will always have an impact on their lives because that's the kind of man he was. And Father, we pray for his brother and his sister. We pray for those who were close friends, for those who will greatly miss a genuine, thoughtful soul who lived each day with faith and with hope and with joy. And so, Father, we ask that you would bless this family especially. And we ask, Father, that you would help us all to spend some time in the garden walking and talking with you. And then, Father, to be willing to spend some time walking and talking with others about you. And then, Father, we ask that we will live in such a way with the same kind of trusting, joyful faith with which Ernie lived his life, that one day you too would tell us 
It's getting late, my child. Why don't you just come home and stay with me? And so we will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't mind just keeping your seats for a few moments as the family is uh, uh, escorted back into the foyer and then you'll have a, a few minutes back there uh, to be able to uh, visit and share with them. Again, thank you for being a